for the first time, we know exactly how and who illegally spied on Julian Assange's every word and movement within the Ecuadorian embassy when he was stuck there as a political prisoner. We also know about other plans to possibly kidnap or poison him. This breaking news is a sordid tale that has been revealed thanks to an in-depth investigation by the Gray Zone. The story involves the CIA, two presidents of Ecuador, an Israeli bodyguard, and at least one billionaire sociopathic Donald Trump puppeteer, whose name I won't say on television, but it rhymes with Sheldon Adelson. of course, Anton Karras. I keep telling you that as if you don't know. And that was Lee Camp, uh, redacted tonight, who was our special guest uh, today. Later on in the show, we'll have uh, Nathan Fuller. I'm Randy Credico. This is Randy Credico Live on the Fly, Assange Countdown to Freedom, episode 27, the stand-up, stand-ups for Assange. And uh, we're going to begin a three-part series with uh, comedians, uh, satirists, who support Assange. And the first one will be the very highly respected, talented, uh, and uh, great writer and host of uh, Redacted Night, and that is Lee Camp. A young man, too, and he's been so productive and effective. Um, well, I'm here in New York, and uh, Kelly Lane is in North Carolina, and uh, Jimmy Sunderland is in uh, the great city of Lake Arrowhead. And uh, we all three work together. Jimmy does the uh, editing and Kelly does the, the overall uh, production here. And then she works with uh, Jimmy um, and when they do this final uh, edit. Uh, the second part of the Lee uh, Camp interview is a little wobbly uh, because uh, somehow the computer died on me. Now I got it back on. Uh, so I had to use my cell phone, but it's mostly him talking anyway. Uh, so we're going to get right into it uh, and uh, uh, play uh, Nina Simone. This is the time to play Nina Simone uh, as we're going through uh, a very justified uh, rebellion in the U.S. against uh, a very racist, endemic uh, system of criminal justice. It really is bad and has been forever. And so here's Nina Simone, uh, beautiful tune. And we'll be right back with Lee Camp. Ain't got no home, ain't got no shoes, ain't got no money, ain't got no class, ain't got no skirts, ain't got no sweaters, ain't got no perfume, ain't got no love, ain't got no faith. I ain't got no culture. Ain't got no mother, ain't got no father, ain't got no brother, ain't got no children, ain't got no aunts, ain't got no uncles, ain't got no love, ain't got no mind. I ain't got no country, ain't got no schooling, ain't got no friends. live on the fly, Assange Countdown to Freedom, episode 27. And at last, we are joined by one of the finest, most brilliant political satirists working today or any day, and that's Lee Camp, who is the host of 
redacted tonight, and he's got this great new book out. Hey, Lee, thanks for doing the show. It really is a, a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me, Randy. I got you on my show, and now I'm on your show. I know. I'm looking. I found three of the shows that I did with you uh, over the years. So one show you did about me, uh, but the, the book is uh, called, this is a great title, by the way. It's uh, Bullet Point Punchlines. And uh, you had your opening just before the, uh, the COVID, uh, you know, play. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to go to that. I'm glad I didn't, because maybe I would have caught the virus on the subway. You know? but my friend Steve Brown went uh, over that Strand Books, one of the last of the great bookstores in, in uh -huh. the city. You know? are, you, you, are you a New Yorker, Lee? I was there for 12 years, so I kind of consider myself a New Yorker, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, when did you, we met at Occupy Wall Street, right? We met, we met at Occupy, we met again at, uh, you were campaigning on the streets of Brooklyn one day, I chatted with you, we, yeah. we met a bunch of times. I remember over there, just off of Wall Street, there was some rally happening, and there you were, walking around, so that was the first time that I met you, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, I don't want to go there first, but, uh, but your comedy special which is online at uh, leecamp.com. Is that your website? Yep. All right, Lee, leecamp.com. And I just want to go back to that moment uh, on, uh, on Wall Street and Occupy, uh, because you've been at this for a long time. You've been after the banks. I'm gonna, let me just play a, a quick clip of this um, from your comedy special, which is online. You can get, it's an hour and four minutes long. It's brilliant. And let me just play this quick clip. In one sense, we have the big lies in this society and the small lies. Another big lie that fucking changes the course of our country all the time is Wall Street, the stock market. The stock market is a Ponzi scheme, all right? It is. Because think about it. Initially, the stocks were you'd pay into a company, you'd own a bit of a company, and you'd get part of the profits, you'd get the dividends. That almost never happens anymore. That's people don't get paid with dividends. Almost all stocks and all the money in the stock market has to do with you getting some other idiot to buy the stock for more, which is the dictionary definition of a Ponzi scheme. It is. And if you're the last one holding that stock, you're just standing there with your dick in your hand, aren't you? That's how it works. Although I don't know why that expression means you're doing nothing. Like, I don't. So there you were talking about bankers way back then in Wall Street. And uh, here we are, and there seems to be another scam going on. What is your take on, on the current uh, economic crisis that's happening? And Wall Street is doing great. Oh my God, it is, uh, it is definitely deja vu all over again. Uh, we, we saw this before and we're seeing it again. It's the shock doctrine all over again. It is uh, using a crisis, abusing a crisis to uh, basically just give trillions, literally trillions of dollars to the big banks and Wall Street and the biggest corporations in America, uh, 4.5, 4.3 something trillion dollars uh, is what they can leverage with this latest coronavirus bailout. And meanwhile, the average American gets their little measly uh, $1,200 check. So apparently we're, we're supposed to save ourselves with breadcrumbs while the ruling elite just are awash in, a, in floods of endless money. It is an unbelievable amount of money. Unbelievable. So what, what, what you know, I'm not an economist. Uh, what, you see this 27,000. It went from 18 to 27,000 and the earnings reports are not good. How on earth did it get to 27,000? Are you talking about unemployed? Yeah, Dow Jones. No, Dow Jones. Oh, oh, the Dow Jones going oh, going back up. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, because of the bailout, because they've been uh, just uh, uh, handed all this cash with very little oversight. The idea, they, what, do they have a little panel of five people that are going to supposedly oversee fraud with trillions of dollars? It's laughable. They know it can't be done, and it can't be done by design. They don't want anyone to expose the fraud. And in fact, back with the TARP funds, with the initial bailout in 2008, they, the, the panel that was supposed to oversee that crap came forward and said, we found fraud, we found problems, we found illegitimate uh, you know, stealing of this money. 
and it, nothing changed. It didn't stop them. It didn't. Uh, they know how to exploit this system. And the Wall Street to judge. You're talking about the stock market going, you know, back up or whatever. It's judging. Look, corporations are incredibly happy when workers are effectively exploited, when we can, are struggling and, 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 and can't stand up for ourselves. And that's where workers are right now. So the stock market is like, hey, oh, that's all good. You know, judging the health of a society based on the stock market is like judging the, the health of a dying man based on the leeches on his skin. If you look at the leeches and go, well, the leeches look really healthy, so he's going to be fine, then you're an idiot. <laughs> that's a very good analogy. I mean, uh, we don't hear this kind of uh, analysis on mainstream uh, TV, uh, mainstream news, CN CNBC, MSNBC, uh, CNN, Fox. No one talks like this, but they can at where you're working right now. You get some of the best programming at RT, and you have to go online to find it. I can't get it on cable. And like I've had the last, two of my last six shows were with RT hosts, and they're great shows going underground. Uh, with uh, Afshin yeah. Ratanzi and George Galloway uh, last week. Galloway is just fantastic. We're going to play a clip of you talking to him, not right now, when we get into Assange. I want to get back to why have they restricted uh, the availability of RT? I mean, it's just outrageous. Well, I think it's quite obvious that uh, you, you bring the truth like this and, uh, you know, Chris Hedges is on there, Jesse Ventura, you bring that kind of truth and it's, it's very upsetting to a feeble empire, to an empire that is on the brink of a collapse because it is treating the average American like uh, just, you know, cannon fodder, uh, just fodder to the machine. Uh, to keep it running. So it's very, it's very tenuous. It's like the end of a Jenga game, you know, the tower is teetering and little kernels of truth can cause a lot of trouble, can really wake people up to the reality in which they live. And we're seeing that right now with the Black Lives Matter protests and people's newfound understanding of policing, even though policing has been a, a, a racist uh, a con game for the ruling elite for generations. But that little truth is starting to get out. People are starting to wake up. And so therefore they have to take a, a network like RT and there's some other examples, you know, uh, uh, Chinese media, et cetera. Uh, and they, they can't handle it. They can't handle people learning these things. So it's been pulled from most cable networks. I think it's still on direct TV. Um, but yeah, most people are getting it on, on YouTube. And, and luckily, you know, we live in an information age where they can't bar everything, but uh, I, and I'm sure you have, have dealt with endless suppression and censorship on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, the, these ideas, the, the simple truth is uh, very dangerous. Certainly is. It's uh, uh, redacted tonight. You can see that. Go to DirecTV. I have a friend that can watch it on DirecTV. I don't have that. All right. Yeah. I'm watching files and they don't allow you to see it. But I just go online and watch a lot of your programming and George's programming and Chris Hedges. And Assange used to have a uh, show on RT. Yes, he did. Yes, he, he, he was very good. He, in fact, he interviewed uh, Correa. Now, getting back to um, uh, the stuff with the, um, with the police brutality and all of that, which is just one element of a very corrupt criminal justice system. And I'm glad that you talk about it beyond just the frontline grunts that are working for the elites. It's the criminal justice system in whole, you know, the courts, uh, the prosecutors, and everyone in between. You, uh, I'm going to play a clip from your uh, 2018 stand-up. Where did you do that stand-up performance, by the way? El Rey Theater in Los Angeles. Right, it's a great place. All right, so I'm going to play this clip where you talk about uh, police brutality and the drug war. And, and, you know, the fact that we have so many police and have a militarized police system is why we have become the shining star of a prison state in this world. We have 5% of the world's population and 25% of the world's prisoners. We fucking lock up everybody and it's, it's, it's out of control. And our prison, I mean, our police force is designed mainly to do two things. One is protect the property of the rich and perpetrate the illegal drug war that was designed from the beginning to upend communities of color and activist communities. Those were the two things from the beginning it was designed like that. And it doesn't, the drug war doesn't make any sense on its face. Like, how do you decide 
which drug is highly illegal and which one is just a little illegal and which one's just totally legal and how do you who the fuck made that decision like a pharmacist is just a drug dealer in a lab coat that's all he is that's all he is you know like yeah some pharmaceuticals are good i'm not denying that but deciding one drug is highly illegal like one guy's crack cocaine is another guy's oxycodone what's the fucking difference like one, one person's marijuana is a suburban soccer mom's ambient white wine mixer. She calls mommy's happy time juice. Like, the fucking difference. All right, so that was pretty enlightened. I mean, most people uh, that talk about uh, this subject limit it to the police. Is that where we are right now? Are we seeing too much of that? just focusing on the police rather than the criminal justice system in general? Yeah, I mean, that, that seems to be a common trend with your mainstream corporate media is they may, when they're forced in these moments, in moments of protest, to actually cover these things, they'll focus on the surface issues and act like that's the real problem. And if we could just stop, you know, you see a lot of cities around the country right now banning chokeholds. And I agree, these cops need to stop choking people to death. But that is a surface level problem that will stop a certain number of deaths, but that will not stop the uh, systemic racism. The, uh, the, I mean, really, our police act as a, a fist of the fascist state. And if you aren't going to reform the fist in general, then you haven't changed much. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that they, they focus on the surface uh, issues. They love to say it's a couple of bad apples. No, it's not a couple of bad apples. It is a systemic problem going back hundreds of years. Our, our policing system originated from the slave patrols in the, in the early American years, uh, and it hasn't changed a whole lot. They, these people don't get much training. You know, a hairdresser is required in most states to get more training than a cop. And what training they do get is not focused on things like de-escalation or dealing with the mentally ill, which, uh, you know, estimates are that uh, over, you know, over 50% of those that cops kill are mentally unstable or mentally having uh, severe difficulties. Severe mental illness is over 25% of those cops kill. And these cops are not well trained to deal with that stuff. They have a hammer and every problem looks like a nail. And uh, we, we really have to get to the heart of the matter. And, and then uh, another uh, big problem with, with the police is in, in many areas, particularly in New York, is planting of evidence and lying on the witness stand and the prosecutors encourage it, and the judges look the other way. That happens all the time, and you get a guy that, hey, he, has, he has a dying bag on him, right? He gets arrested, he faces in New York up to 12 and a half years in prison if it's a second offense within 10 years. So a cop has that much power to say it, and no one confutes it because he can't get a lawyer to fight it. DNA's not gonna clear him. If, if he has his fingerprints on the bag or not, it's not gonna clear him, so, and it's not even used. Right. And, uh, you know, th that's another reason talking about the you talk about the relationship with the prosecutors. That's another reason that you never see cops convicted for uh, any kind of crime after murdering someone. Uh, over the past 15 years, NBC News reported that 35 cops have been convicted of any crime connected to a fatality, connected to a murder. And of those, only three were convicted of the largest crime of murder, which means that three cops out of 13,000 or something uh, executions by these cops is a rate of conviction of, you know, 0.021% or something. It, it's basically that they can kill with impunity and never be convicted because they are so close to these prosecutors that no prosecutor is going to go after them. If they do, they're going to do it in a very light way. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And the, the planting of evidence is another problem. Uh, they, they, can, they can arrest anyone they want to if they choose to. If you look at them wrong, they could arrest you and get a conviction on something. And it's a major, major problem. Uh, another good example is, uh, you know, in, in Matt Taibbi's book, The Divide, he talks about how uh, arrests for open alcohol containers, walking around with an open alcohol container in New York uh, City, something like 4% are white people. Because really, all cops use that law for, or that conviction for, is to grab up black and Hispanic people. Because white guys can walk around with an open alcohol container and have no problem. It's not that we're drinking less, we just don't get grabbed by cops. I spent 10 years working against New York's Rockefeller drug laws. 
and 94.3% uh, of those arrested on drug charges were black and Latino, even though they constituted less than 40%. That's of incredible. Drugs, and they were getting long sentences. And uh, it's the same thing, you know, when Giuliani was in town uh, running, running the show, uh, they were using the jaywalking law. They were enforcing that. And of course, all of it was up in Harlem and in the Bronx. The same way with Bill de Blasio using this, uh, what's called the broken windows policy, which is really a reinvention of uh, stop and frisk because 90% of the people getting arrested for subway beating are black and Latino. Yeah, and that, that audio that leaked to Bloomberg for his brief run, run for president where he said, well, yes, it's black people getting arrested for these crimes because we're putting cops in the black and Latino neighborhoods. And the reason is because that's where all the crime is. And uh, my answer to him is, really, Bloomberg? Is that where all the crime is? Like the insider trading is going on? Like the corporate destruction of the environment? Is that going on in the Black and Latinx communities? The, the uh, you know, is Boeing deciding to keep airplanes in the air while they crash into the ground? Is that, is that going on in the projects? No. The biggest crimes in this world are done by corporations and the richest people in the world. So acting like all the crime is in the minority neighborhoods is just uh, infuriating. It uh, is truly uh, what you say about the criminal justice system. And, and, you know, it's very cogent and it's great analysis. Uh, I want to focus uh, now on um, what this show is all about. It's about Julian Assange. And, and I must tell you, I've been watching uh, four or five of your uh, videos today. You've been a supporter of Assange for a very long time. In fact, this book, uh, Bullet, uh, it's called the Bullet Point Punchlines. You have uh, uh, an eight-page uh, essay on Assange, and you talk about uh, the 18 most important uh, contributions to journalism uh, that Assange put out there. Can you just uh, go through some of those? while I try to get my camera straight? <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, when, when I was researching that, I kind of shocked myself, because even though I thought I knew a lot about WikiLeaks, uh, it's tough to keep up with, with everything that over the past decade or more they have revealed uh, that, that, you know, really are, it, it is everything that Americans, but really citizens around the world should want to know about their governments. The governments are supposed to represent us, like that was part of the idea. And you, when you have a government, and that's why you decide to be a citizen of a nation is to have them represent you. And so you wanna know what they're doing in your name. And the truth is we don't know anything. We, we don't know the war crimes going on around the world. We don't know the, 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 the fraud going on within the banks. And WikiLeaks showed that to us. And that's why it was so dangerous. That's why Julian Assange is so dangerous to the powers that be. And, you know, to go through some of these things, which, by the way, is not just America. It's, it's uh, countries around the world. He revealed uh, uh, videos of abuse in China. He revealed uh, Russian, uh, I think, I believe, spying on their citizens. He, he revealed uh, Australia had covered things up, which is his home country. Uh, he revealed stuff around the world. And it's not just America, but of course, some of the revelations about America were, of course, the, uh, the, the war crimes that Chelsea Manning leaked through WikiLeaks. Uh, the, the, the collateral murder video is probably the most famous. Uh, the Afghanistan war logs, war crimes throughout Afghanistan, uh, Deutsche Bank crimes, uh, the Bilderberg meeting groups and minutes, you know, what goes on in those, in those Bilderberg groups, which are the richest people in the world getting together and deciding how they'd like to run things. Uh, it, it, you know, the list goes on and on, the Bibles of Scientology or whatever they call them. So he really was just standing for transparency, that people had a right to know these things that impact their lives uh, incredibly powerfully. And I, I think we absolutely do. And I just, if there's one fact I want people to know about Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, it's, and most people don't know this because they bought into the propaganda of corporate media, but it's that WikiLeaks has never ever, not once, had to retract something. They've never gotten anything wrong. Everything they've put out has been true and accurate and, and, and flawless. And then you compare that to CNN or MSNBC or the New York Times, and it's, they can't go 30 seconds without printing something that's provably false. So honestly, he is one of the most efficient and best 
publishers that has ever lived, and instead we've locked him up. We have nearly, literally uh, shot the messenger. Well, you know, um, that's true about the New York Times as well, because they even wrote something about you, and they had to retract two of the assertions. That's so true. they couldn't get it right for 30 seconds, I think. And yet, as you point out, Assange has never once, nor WikiLeaks, ever published anything that they had to retract, not once, or apologize for. They've never been sued for libel, but you have this prosecution. And, and what is your analysis why there's not enough support for him in the U.S. amongst liberals? I mean, I know, but you know, some people don't know. Uh, amongst liberals and, and progressives and Democrats, because they should be supporting him. They should be, especially the media, circling the wagons around Assange rather than circling the firing squads. Am I right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, among the liberals that are not the elite, you know, your average American liberal, I think that they've bought into the propaganda from, you know, NPR or MSNBC or CNN or Fox News, and they just don't know. They just don't understand the reality uh, behind Assange's situation. But then with the Democratic elite, you know, the Democratic establishment and the corporate media, you've seen like some sheepish uh, changes of heart, realizing, oh, this is a little scary that they're uh, trying to indict a, a, a uh, journalist, a publisher with uh, espionage charges. Uh, but they, they don't cover it much, you know. Even Rachel Maddow, Miss, Mrs. Uh, despising Assange, despising WikiLeaks, Mrs. Uh, Russiagate, even she had to do a segment saying, I have to defend Assange in this situation. He shouldn't be charged with espionage. And it's sheepish and it's pathetic and it's cowardly. And if they had a, a strong bone in their body, they would stand up for a fellow journalist, a fellow publisher, uh, because he is the beginning of the end for any kind of journalism. I mean, if the United States can, can lock someone away for eternity who's not even an American citizen and doesn't even operate from America, and we want to lock him in a cell for eternity because he published the truth about America, if we get to that point, which we're on the cusp of, it's a, a, a scary road ahead. Well, in the book, uh, uh, Bullet Point Punchlines, uh, there is, like I said, a very, very well-written uh, analysis of what he has contributed, uh, he and WikiLeaks, and uh, people should get that book. How do people get that book, by the way? Uh, the quickest way is just LeeCampBook.com. It'll send you straight to the publisher, which, uh, you know, won't give any money to Amazon or anything, uh, small indie publisher, PM Press, and uh, yeah, so LeeCamp.com or LeeCampBook.com. Uh, you cover so many uh, different subjects here. I'm mean, looking at this. There's like 90 subjects that, that you cover. Uh, you cover Wall Street. You, you cover, uh, you know, corporations. You cover Pentagon fraud, uh, wasteful spending, wars. I mean, all the way through. I think there wasn't one subject that you left out that <laughs> I'm interested in. And so people who uh, listen to this show or watch this show, I, I recommend that you go to uh, Lee Camp. What is it, Lee Camp? Dot com. Books? Okay, just go to the book there. All right, get that book. And you won't be helping out Amazon. And by the way, what is your take on Amazon? Well, you know, I, I don't have any problem with somebody selling something online if that's what Amazon really is. But in fact, there's a reason Bezos has become the richest human being in the world. And it's because he realized at a pretty early stage that if he's going to compete with other sellers, you can't make trucks go faster on the highway because there's speed limits. But you know what you can make go faster? Human beings until they collapse into a heap. And people have died on Amazon's warehouse floors. And he gives them nothing. He gives them no job security. He fires them if they complain. He, you know, and I granted it's not all him, but he's the one overseeing it all. And so it really is just a, a race to the bottom. It is a business that has found out how to exploit people the most, which Walmart was the winner in that category before Amazon. And, uh, and they, they exploit people to really the nth degree. And, and because people, because workers are, are so beaten down, because unions have been gutted in this country, people will take those jobs. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't fault the people for working at those jobs because they're just trying to feed their kids. But it, it really is just a true exploitation of, of the human beings of this country. We're talking to Lee Camp, the great 
political satirist Lee Camp, author and the host of Redacted Tonight on RT. Uh, Lee, um, getting back to Assange, um, he, by the way, was uh, a big critic of Amazon way before it was fashionable, and Facebook, and Twitter, and all of these social media platforms. Uh, I want to play this. Like I said, you've been on this for a long time. Here is you, and I got to play this clip with you and George Galloway talking about it on Redacted Tonight. Here's a little exchange. All right, now let's move on to my interview with the former UK MP, George Galloway. Mr. George Galloway, thank you so much for joining me in these dark times. Always a pleasure, my friend. So your friend, the journalist Julian Assange, just had the beginning of his extradition hearings last week. Is he getting any sort of fair trial, in your opinion? And have they made a decision on whether he's allowed to come out of the bulletproof case they have him in so he can actually take part in his own trial? No, it began as tragedy, but it's ending in farce. Uh, with Julian in a bulletproof glass box, like he was the world's most dangerous terrorist, rather than a man charged, although he's not charged in Britain, of receiving documents and publishing them. Uh, moreover, he can't hear a word of what's going on inside the glass box because neither of the two counsel are particularly good at speaking into a microphone. And therefore, he is quite adrift in what is, in fact, a terrorism court. It's called Woolwich Crown Court. I call it Woolwich Crown Fort. It is attached by tunnel uh, to Britain's Guantanamo Bay, Belmarsh Prison, where Julian rubs shoulders when he's allowed out of his cell with some of the worst uh, criminals, mass murderers, terrorists, and so on. It's all designed, it's a physical manifestation of guilty until proven innocent. And the whole thing, if you like, became utterly farcical when, uh, having not heard anything that went on, Julian's lawyers gave him a file of papers to read overnight so that he could know what was going to happen the next day, and the prison authorities confiscated the papers, not allowing him to read them. And when uh, Julian's counsel complained about all this, and the fact that Assange was uh, twice strip-searched and anally, cavitally inspected, twice handcuffed five times on his way to and from court, the judge said that she had no jurisdiction over the prison service, had no jurisdiction <laughs> over her own courtroom. It is utterly ridiculous. As I say, if it wasn't so tragic, it would be laughable. All right, so you two, man, what, what a pair. Uh, tell me what your relationship with George Galloway. You do his show a lot. He's really like a, quite an interesting character. Oh, he's wonderful. He was a, you know, MP, he was in Parliament for 30 years, and then they basically had to get rid of him because he was against the Iraq War, which wasn't really allowed then. And, uh, uh, you know, yeah, I love, uh, George is hilarious and yet poignant at the same time. And he said we should tour together, which I think would be hilarious if we ever made it work. But, uh, yeah, no, what wonderful human being. Well, he said that I saw a tweet of his that he wants to tour with you. You guys would sell out everywhere. It would be quite a tandem. So you should consider that. You know, go to the UK, go there around September if they open up in September. I don't know what's going to happen with the Assange trial, uh, but uh, I was at the last one, and as you and George just talked about, uh, the last trial, the last hearing, I was there for uh, four days, uh, and it was a travesty. Uh, it was the most disgusting spectacle I had ever seen, as George just laid out, uh, and. Um, you know, I'm going to go back there. Hopefully, I can get in. Uh, let me uh, play this, by the way. I want to play another clip of you because this is really interesting. 2018, I was in D.C. I went to the White House Correspondence Center, and there I was. I you, went, got, you, went to, you went to some of it, Randy. <laughs> I, I, I went to the cocktail party. I was drinking back, and I, I went to the cocktail party and hung out with, I mean, I talked to Adam Schiff. I talked to Nancy Pelosi, trying to get them this, you know, something nice about Assange, and it wasn't working out. Uh, Jeff Weaver was the only guy who I really got along with. 
uh, and uh, and that guy uh, John Kasich who uses the word look the same way Reagan uses the word well. I told him that's not using the word look, but anyway, I felt dirty in that. I sat at the CNN table next to this creep by the name of Chris Delista, and I think he uh, fingered me that I was at the wrong table, and I started yelling at the stage, why are we not supporting Julian Assange? The next thing, I was dragged out, and there wasn't a word in any mainstream media outlets, but there was on Redacted tonight, we're going to play uh, maybe all of that clip because it was so good. You really came to my defense. You did me a solid. This is Lee Camp, redacted tonight, way back in April of 2018. Randy Credico was invited to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. He was there in his tux. He looked good, all acting all professional. He, he said that, uh, you know, he was in that room packed full of every media personality, every person you can imagine, a lot of politicians, you know, the, the secretary of... Uh, Sorry, the press secretary, she was there. They're all there, right? And he decided, sitting there, that he couldn't just sit quietly. While Assange remains imprisoned in London. A journalist remains imprisoned in London. So Randy got up and voiced his complaint loudly. He stood up and he advocated for Assange. He didn't sit quietly. He didn't behave the way the corporate empire expects you to behave. He couldn't sit there while that same corporate empire destroys a human being, a journalist, keeping him in solitary confinement. And, and, and the way uh, Credico described it, he said, you know, something to the effect of, uh, this is not the exact words, but this is insane. We all sit here and the greatest journalist uh, out of all of us is imprisoned. Anyway, and no one's mentioning it. So no one joined him, obviously. These people, they're, they're in the corporate elite the corporate media elite, the, the fucking empire, uh, they're, they're there for a reason. They've gotten that job for a reason. Not one of those sad sacks of spineless assholes joined him. And pretty soon, two people came, grabbed him by the arms, and dragged him out of the building. Uh, then cops got involved. He said he faked a heart attack because he thought they were going to break his shoulders, pull, yanking his arms behind his back. At one point, he tried to get back in, and they handcuffed him, and they booted him out of the White House Correspondents' Dinner, threw him onto the sidewalk for advocating for a persecuted journalist at the journalist fucking prom thing they do. And here's the most important part of this story. While you hear a million articles this week, right? All this week has been wall-to-wall -wall segments about Michelle Wolf's comments as she performed at that same event at the press corps dinner and how, how naughty they were, right? How naughty she was. And, and you know, she, she, was, she, she did a good job of uh, critiquing our media to a certain degree, at a certain depth. Can't go, can't go beyond a certain depth and be invited to one of those things. But, however, there has been no corporate media coverage of the comedian who was kicked out and nearly arrested for advocating for a journalist. That's how pathetic our media is, how pathetic our government is. WikiLeaks has not just shown us how corrupt our government is, it, it also has shown us how complicit and corrupt our spineless corporate media is. And that's why they can talk about Michelle Wolf, some act upset, some say good for her, whatever, they can have that discussion. That discussion is had on those networks, but they can't talk about what Randy Credico said that night and about what made him so dangerous he had to be kicked out. They can't talk about journalist Julian Assange sitting in a single room with no access to the outside world. But I think a lot of us are waking up. I don't, I don't think they can sell this facade much longer. Keep fighting. So, Lee... What did you think when I got thrown out of it? Well, I, I love the, the uh, I don't know, irony or coincidence of the fact that what e only, the only thing everyone was talking about the following day was about how outrageous this comedian had been. This comedian was just outrageous. Uh, Michelle Wolf had said some things that people found too naughty 
for, uh, for, and so I just love the idea that all the media is so caught up in this, this comedian who said the things that aren't allowed to be said. Meanwhile, there was another comedian there who literally got thrown out for saying something. Like that is, people love it. Look, it's like that serves a purpose to, to pretend as if there's something, oh my God, that's, that's edgy to the ruling elite. But what's really edgy to the ruling elite is the stuff they won't talk about, the stuff they won't mention on CNN. So what you yelled about Julian Assange got you kicked out of the building and won't be mentioned on CNN because they can't give it the time of the day. That is what real edgy looks like, not what Michelle Wolf did. Well, we know Jim Acosta wasn't going to talk about that because Jim Acosta doesn't consider Julian Assange a journalist. And I'm not sure this guy, Jim Sciotto, I think they may be the same person because you never see them in the same room at the same time. You know, they broke out of a Saks Fifth Avenue window. You know, they look like mannequins. Uh, Acosta. What do you I, think of those guys, Acosta? Well, I, did, I did cover a, I did a segment about Acosta once because he put out a book called A Dangerous Time to Tell the Truth or something like that, A Dangerous Time to Be a Journalist or whatever it was called. And it was about how dangerous it is under Trump to be a journalist because he got kicked out of the, of the White House one time. And, and uh, 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 what's his name? Matt Orfala was at the book signing and got a question in and got film of it. And he said, what do you think of Assange? He's another journalist who's been locked up. And Acosta gave this, you know, smug, pathetic answer like, uh, what I understand is he's, he's done some, some very bad things or something like that. It's the most pathetic, like I said earlier, cowardly response. These journalists know where their, bre their bread is buttered and it's corporate America. And they know corporate America and the empire, you know, America Inc., is not okay with supporting Julian Assange. So they all just bow down to what they're told about how to stand on Assange. And anyway, his answer, which I covered, is that it's just pathetic. Yes, but if Julian Assange does get extradited here, what's the upshot of that ultimately? If he gets indicted and he comes here, you know he's going to be convicted. What ultimately does that mean? What, 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 what would that do to this nation of supposedly of laws and democracy and free press? Yeah, I don't see any positives in it. Uh, you know, we know how the court system runs here. As I've said before, the, our court system, as well as, you know, our policing system is captured by uh, the, the corporate America and the, the richest among us. And they don't even allow a whistleblower of any kind to have any kind of legitimate uh, debate in, in their, you know, the legitimate trial in their courtrooms. Uh, John Kariaku is a perfect example, and, and he's now free after serving his jail time, so he can speak out about how pathetic it was. They wouldn't let him have witnesses. They wouldn't let him bring his, uh, you know, evidence. He got nothing, and Assange would be even worse. And it's the same judge who does all these cases, and she would not allow Assange even the beginnings, even the hint, even the smell of a fair trial. Uh, so if he is brought here, he will be locked up for a hundred years, unless you know some uh, uh, someone like uh, Randy Credico gets uh, elected president, and then maybe we can commute it. I can't even. I can't even win mayor. Uh, look, I, I, at the top of the show, we played um, a, a pastiche from. Uh, one of your shows where you talked about uh, Julian Assange and uh, this, uh, you know, uh, prosecution of, of him. And uh, also, not just that, but you talked about uh, Max Blumenthal uh, from the Gray Zones piece uh, about UC Global uh, and Sheldon Adelson. In fact, you said it rhymes with Sheldon Adelson. That was very funny. Uh, but uh, how scared, I, I was one of the people that they got, you know, I, there's like video of me and they got my passport, this guy from UC Global. I mean, how scary is this? Yeah, it really is. I mean, it goes to show how America, it, they can't stand behind, our, our government can't stand behind their actions any longer. Uh, so they do it through these outside sources. They, outs they outsource it to, to mercenaries and, and, and you know, private spy agencies. So really this was a Pompeo, Trump, Adelson uh, project that used a company, a, a small company before this called UC Global 
to spy on everyone, including you, that ever entered or got near Assange inside that Ecuadorian embassy. They took your phones, your passports, all that stuff uh, in order to hack your phones. And they were just looking for anything to try and get him, uh, you know, into prison outside of that embassy. They even apparently, as, as Blumenthal reveals, uh, had discussed uh, ways to poison him or ways to kidnap him. So these are, it's incredibly illegal stuff. And the United States doesn't do it with our official CIA or FBI or what have you. We do it with these mercenaries so, so that when it comes out, as it has been revealed in the gray zone and elsewhere, when it comes out, Pompeo and all of them can go, we knew nothing about it. And it really is just a corrupt, I mean, that's the epitome of corruption. You can't even stand by your actions, so you have to pay some guy and say, I didn't know what he was doing. It's pathetic. It really is it, very scary. Uh, you also uh, are very hard on Lyndon Moreno, uh, which I enjoyed. Uh, you had some <laughs> choice words for Lyndon Moreno. What do, you, what do you think of people like him? He got a big payoff, as you said. He got a date within days. He got, I think, like $4 billion from the IMF. You think that was just a naked uh, quid pro quo? No, I think it was a huge coincidence. It's just, just a coincidence that within days, of, you know, a week before or something, he, really, he gives up Assange to the authorities, which, by the way, was the first time in history that a country had allowed another country to come in and arrest a citizen of theirs because Assange had been getting, given Ecuadorian citizenship. Uh, it's the first time in history, and he allowed that to happen within a, a couple weeks of being given uh, $4 billion, 4.2, I believe, billion dollars from the IMF. Uh, it's just a pathetic payoff. You know, it really is. How much is Assange worth to you? He got into office and just said, how much is he worth to you? $4 billion? All right, let's do it. Yeah, pretty obvious. Uh, you can see all of uh, Lee Camp's work on Assange at uh, Redacted Tonight, at, is it the Redacted Tonight website they find them, or at LeeCamp.com uh, Yeah, LeeCamp.com, but the, there's also Redacted Tonight on YouTube, so uh, YouTube.com slash Redacted Tonight. Just all you have to do is Google Redacted Tonight, Julian Assange and Lee Camp, and I, I saw three of them uh, today, and they're all great, and you, and you can access them. They're very passionate. They're also humorous because you have this great way of presenting it. And it's really important. How important is satire right now and trying to move forward with all of the problems that are happening in the world? Wow. Well, thank you for the, for the kind words. You know, you were, you were trailblazing long before I was in this uh, com truth, truth in comedy world. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is incredibly important and powerful. I think it, I think it serves two purposes. One, it, uh, gets people, it allows people to listen to you longer, even if they disagree with you. They're, they're willing to enjoy themselves and laugh a little. And if they think, yeah, this, this guy's funny, then they might sit around a few extra minutes. And, and I find that's true. I'll have people email me and say, you know, at first I very much disagree with you, but I found you funny, so I kept listening. And uh, so uh, to me, it's that, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, you, you, you have to give a little applesauce with the medicine so that people will, are willing to watch. But perhaps more importantly, I think the laughter gives people an outlet, uh, you know, of some degree when listening to the, the horrors of what's going on in our world. I know I need it. I need some laughter in my life or, or it'd just be too traumatizing, you know, to see uh, innocent people locked up like Julian Assange for years at a time. But, uh, you know, the, the laughs are always at the expense of the powerful in my, in my comedy, and, and I try and keep it that way. Lee Camp. Lee Camp from Redacted Tonight, his book, Bullet Point Punchlines, you can get at his uh, website, leecamp.com. Uh, and you can just, how many days a week uh, can we get you live on uh, Redacted Tonight, since I don't have direct TV, but people who do have it? Well, they, they can get, a, they can get it uh, close to live on YouTube as well. So uh, okay. it's, uh, it's two, two episodes a week. One's an interview show, which you've been on, and one is the, uh, the other show uh, that is, uh, that is not, not interviews, but uh, is kind of closer akin to the Daily Show spinoff, <laughs> kind of, except, uh, as the Herald said, with sharper teeth. And, uh, and then I also do a lot of web uh, exclusive stuff uh, that's all at leecamp.com and uh, YouTube slash Redacted Tonight.
You're a very busy man. I, I don't know how you do it uh, when we're uh, kind of still in the lockdown mode. Uh, the last time I, uh, before this, we were talking about uh, doing some kind of benefit for Julian Assange, yeah. you know, comedians for Assange, stand-ups for Assange, stand-up for Assange. And, uh, you know, you're, you're busy. Are you going to go back on the road soon? I don't know how that's gonna work. I mean, I'd love to. I love performing live. That's where that's the world I came from for 20 years. But uh, I, I don't know how it's gonna work because well, one is whether place is open. But then on step two is do people want to buy tickets to actually be near other people? Uh, you know, I hope so. I'm used to it. If, if if I were to do it, you know, six people could get in. I'm, I'm used to working small crowds <laughs> over a 50 year career, 45 career in comedy. All right, Lee, we're going to uh, end it at that. Uh, any last words on Julian Assange before we uh, get to our ending here? Well, if he were ever to get to watch this, I hope you stay strong, Julian, and just know we're all, uh, we're all cheering for you. And uh, the, the, amount of, the amount of impact that one man had is, uh, is truly incredible. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the impacts are still rippling, still spinning off. Uh, between Occupy and I don't even think you'd have Bernie Sanders without the, the truth that was created, the room for truth that was created with WikiLeaks uh, is really, really massive. Well, thank you. And thank you for all the great work that you've done and you continue to do uh, and will continue to do. I know uh, you're a committed individual with great uh, principles and a lot of integrity and we need more people like you, particularly with a sense of humor. All right, Lee, we're going to uh, go out here with the uh, Johnny Cash since we've been talking about prisons. Uh, we're going to go out with uh, Johnny Cash uh, live at San Quentin, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you, Randy. San Quentin, you've been living hell to me. You called it me since 1963 I've seen them come and go and I've seen them die And long ago I stopped asking why San Quentin, I hate every inch of you You've cut me and you've scarred me through and through and I'll walk out a wiser, weaker man Mr. Congressman, why can't you understand? What good do you think you do? Do you think that I'll be different when you're through? You bend my heart and mind and you warp my soul Your stone walls turn my blood a little cold San Quentin, may you rot and burn in hell May your walls fall and may I live to tell May all the world forget you ever stood And the whole world will regret you did no good San Quentin, you've been living hell to me Okay, uh, that was uh, Johnny Cash, uh, live at San Quentin. What a great tune. All right, I'm Randy Credico, Randy Credico, live on the fly, Assange Countdown to Freedom. This is uh, episode 27, uh, and we are being joined right now uh, by the uh, executive director of the Courage Foundation, a friend of this show for a long time, and that is Nathan Fuller. Nathan, what's uh, happening down the road here for Julian and for events that you and other groups are involved in? Hey, Randy. So the uh, latest legal update is just that we still have uh, September 7th as the day Assange is set to return to court. Uh, we're not sure what hearing, uh, where that hearing will be held, which courtroom, but it's not going to be in Woolwich Crown Court again. 
Uh, so in the meantime, we are still holding online events, these webinars to cover various aspects of the hearing. Uh, so check out defend.wikileaks.org and find us on Twitter at CourageFound where we'll be announcing those. Uh, we have one at 1 London time uh, this Saturday uh, and they're just about every weekend. Uh, we have various events covering various aspects of the case. So always come back to defend.wikileaks.org. Uh, it's one o'clock London time. That's uh, five hours later than we are here, which should be like uh, earliest year on a weekend. Yeah, but it'll be recorded so you can find the YouTube afterwards. These are great uh, webinars that you've been holding every week. And uh, I, this one's going to be good. It's going to be uh, Max Blumenthal. Is that it? Um, and Deepa Driver and, uh, and Stefania and others talking about the UC Global scandal. Talking about the uh, embassy surveillance case. Yeah, very important that it gets a lot more attention just because it's such an outrageous infringement of privacy that just hasn't gotten enough news coverage. Well, I tried, you know, I got, <laughs> I got spied on. I didn't like it. I don't know what I'm gonna do about it. I just have to, uh, you know, accept it, you know, until somebody does, I can't get any reporter to talk about it. They all wanna talk about Russiagate, but no one wants to talk about uh, this spying you know, they've been covering me for two years with this Roger Stone nonsense, but no one wants to talk about this, which is a huge scandal. Yeah, what, do we have to work a Russiagate angle into it just to get any coverage? I don't know. Well, continue the good work. Any uh, last words, uh, Nathan? No, I appreciate you bringing attention to the cause. Thanks, Randy. All right, so people, they uh, want to support uh, your organization, defend.wikileaks.com. That org. Dot org. Okay, defend. I should know that, wikileaks.com. I'm not going to reshoot this, okay? So... I'm sorry, uh, defend.wikileaks.org. Uh, and ours is Assange Countdown to Freedom.com. Uh, sometimes I say org accidentally, but it is Assange Countdown to Freedom.com. Uh, we uh, certainly uh, could use your support. Go to that website. We'd like to be doing this all the way until uh, the trial uh, resumes in September, folks. So uh, um, we're on a shoestring budget here. No one's making any bread. We're just trying to cover the bills. Uh, thank you very much, Nathan. Keep up the good work. Uh, we're going to go out. This is, um, once again, we played this a couple of weeks back. Uh, this is a Billie Holiday, and this is a kind of a memorial to all of the victims of uh, police violence, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you very much. W with what has happened the last two centuries, uh, African Americans gunned down by law enforcement, enslaved, uh, put to work, uh, convict leasing, put in jail with the drug war, but in the last week it's really heated up and it's gotta stop. Southern trees bear strange fruit blood on leaves and blood at the root Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. Strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. gallant south the bulging eyes and the twisted mouth scent of magnolia sweet and fresh then the sudden smell of burning flesh here is a fruit for the crows to pluck for the rain to gather for the wind to suck for the sun to rise